Hello, I'm Remy. And this is Dakota. You're listening to Leveling Duo, the podcast where two good friends talk about video games they've really enjoyed, hope to enjoy soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are you talking about today, Dakota? Well, today I actually thought I would talk about a couple of games. Uh, a trilogy, in fact. That's three uh, games? Yes. The Legend of Spyro oh, trilogy. Oh, good. You know, I haven't played them since... I was an early teen, though. Yeah, uh, the first one, the original uh, New Beginning, is uh, was actually released in 2006. Really? Mm-hmm. I believe I played it either that year or the year after, maybe in 2007, but I'm not sure. has been a while. And I played it on the uh, Xbox. Now, I played Spyro, like, on the early PlayStation. This is a kind of like a reboot the original trilogy. Okay, that explains why I was so confused. <laughs> but uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, again, like I said, it was like a reboot uh, to the original Spyro series. It was a little bit, uh, the graphics had changed. Uh, there was a bit of a more, I guess you can say, mature tone to the overall game. The first one uh, basically kind of like shows like Spyro's origin, the temple where he his egg is is attacked. And kind of Moses-style makes its way down river, where he is found by a family of dragonflies who basically fish him out of the river, and he hatches, and then they raise him. See, I can't remember much about it since I was so young. <laughs> I just know it's a pretty little purple, purple. or, okay, purple dragon. Yep. Which, being a purple dragon, is very special in and of itself in this universe. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Uh, in the first game, he goes on a quest to find the guardian dragons to uh, basically reinstate them into power, per se, to help keep the Dark Master from uh, being released and coming back. And the dragon that or is basically the bad guy in the first game is a dark dragon named Cinder, who is essentially the spearhead for trying to bring back the Dark Master. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's special about uh, Spyro, where he is a purple dragon, is that he can utilize uh, multiple elements. Uh, whereas most other dragons can only utilize one. And that's what's so special about purple dragons. Uh, they can utilize uh, all the four basic elements, plus they also have the special element of uh, time. And can theoretically channel other new elements as well. Really? Mm -hmm. I can't remember much about the time. Which, uh, they had some uh, decent actors for uh, the voice acting in the first game. Elijah Wood was Spyro. David Spade is Sparks. Gary Oldman was Ignitus, Corey Burton was Voltaire, Jeff Bennett was Cyril, Kevin Michael Richardson was Terador, and Cree Summer was Cinder. Oh, wow. I recognize a lot of those names, and mm -hmm. for me, that's pretty rare. Oh, yeah. Like, it's kind of considered like a prequel to the original games in a sense, but it's a reboot, so it's kind of its own thing. Overall, it was kind of average to mixed reviews on the first game. Some people liked it, some people hated it. Because it was so different yeah. from the original Spyros. Which, that happens whenever you've got, like, a reboot. That happens. Yeah. Uh, then you, uh, the second installment is uh, Legend of Spyro, The Eternal Night. This comes out the next year, late 2007. And actually uh, came out on several different consoles. PS2, Game Boy Advance, DS, and Wii. I thought there was some remasters that came out, like, a couple years ago. There's been, like, the Reignited Trilogy. Yeah. And that's kind of like a remastered version of the original trilogy. Okay. So, so that's not a reboot. That's just kind of like a remaster. Okay, okay. 
That's probably the ones you're thinking of. Yeah, because I was like, this feels so much more recent than this. <laughs> now, uh, in Eternal Night, kind of the same uh, difference. Someone's out to free the Dark Master again. As one does. This one is the Ape King. And uh, basically, it's kind of like the a prophecy. He can break the seal of the prison on the Night of Eternal Darkness. And Spyro, at this point, is uh, had been experiencing uh, like visions, headaches... Of, I think it was called the Chronicler. Basically a very old dragon that apparently, I think in the game, kind of like he knew the Dark Master. Like more personally. Yeah. Um, and basically it was just like, you have to go stop him. Like the Dark Master can't be released at no matter what. Most everyone uh, was the same voice actors for this game. Except that Billy West took over uh, for Sparks. And Mae Whitman took over the role for Cinder. I don't recognize those. Not so much either, but... I just figured I'd give him a shout-out there. Yeah, fair enough. In this one, uh, Spyro's a little bit older. He basically starts off with all the elements, unlike in the first game where he basically just starts off with just fire. Um, he has already, you know, got all four of the elements uh, in him. And basically you can uh, progress by essentially like kind of filling up uh, these meters that uh, unlock uh, more abilities for each element. And you get specials and... Kind of gives you uh, ways to clear the game. It's kind of like a mixture of like platformer and kind of like real-time combat. Which, uh, in the game, uh, spoilers, uh, it does uh, introduce the concept that one of the reasons why purple dragons are so powerful and rare is that they themselves have the unique ability to uh, manipulate the flow of time. Being able to like slow it or freeze it. And possibly reverse it in some situations. That's a lot better than the D&D Purple Dragon, which just lives underground and spews energy blasts. Mm -hmm. Basically, with Eternal Night, you, uh, near the end of this game, uh, after traveling again around the world, fighting the Ape King here and there, finally kind of make it to uh, the, I want to call it like the Dark Castle, where uh, the, the whale is at that the Dark Master is sealed in. And, unfortunately, he is released. And, uh, at this point in time, Cinder is actually, uh, on your side. End of the first game, you actually defeat her. And, uh, she actually is, like, a full-size dragon, but when you defeat her, she, like, shrinks down to where she's, like, Spyro-sized. And you kind of find out that, uh, she was actually being controlled by the Dark Master and had been mani manipulated. That she was also a dragon that was born at the same time as Spyro. So she was, like, special in her own way. She wasn't a purple dragon, but she was a dark dragon. So dark dragons are also special in their own right, too. Um, but she wasn't inherently evil. So she actually teams up with Spyro and helps him out in the second game. However, the Dark Master's released, and they are actually, like, kind of sealed away. They took his place. Well, no. Uh, like, it's not permanent like his was supposed to be, but it's kind of like they're unable to do anything. Then that's how the second game ends. And then with the third game, uh, Dawn of the Dragon, Cinder and Spyro uh, wake up and it has been uh, several years since their imprisonment and they are like visibly like older, physically more mature. Are they like teen dragons now? Kind of, sort of. Which, okay. I mean, I kind of consider them teen dragons before. They're kind of getting closer to adult dragons now. Okay. Uh, in this installment, they introduced the concept of flying. Oh, yeah. Like like straight flying, not just gliding like in previous games. Yeah, I always just had to glide. <laughs> also, too, there is a uh, part of the mechanics is that uh, Spyro and Cinder are linked together by these like 
spectral links. Uh, there are these collars that each of them have on that uh, essentially make it to where they can only physically go so far away from each other. And that builds into the gameplay with a lot of the platforming and puzzle solving and things of that nature. Plus, too, uh, you can actually freely uh, switch between the two. And this game also has a two-player mode where both, uh, each dragon can be controlled by two people. Okay. And essentially, like, you uh, set out to journey together to stop Malifor, uh, the Dark Master. Which, at this point, it is also revealed that he is the very first ever Purple Dragon, and that he actually turned evil. That originally he was actually good, like Spyro, but essentially the power and authority and everything went to his head. And was just like, well, no one can stop me, so why not be in charge? I'll do what I want. Mm-hmm. And then that's when all the Guardian Dragons came together and sealed him away, because they weren't powerful enough to actually take him out. That's why Spyro was actually supposed to be so special, being the next Purple Dragon, because they figured they fucked up the first time, they're not going to mess up the second time, and they knew that if they raised him correctly, and trained him correctly, that he would be the one to be able to take out Malifor. Yes. The whole Ichigo and the Substitute Soul Reaper situation. Mm-hmm. Most of the voice actors are back. However, uh, Sparks are replaced again. Uh, now it is Wayne Brady who uh, voices him. And then uh, Christina Ritchie actually replaces Mae Whitman as Cinder. And uh, they actually uh, start introducing some uh, kind of like what I call Easter egg characters uh, from uh, the original trilogy. Uh, the Hunter of Avalar is voiced by Blair Underwood. And guess who does Malifor the Dark Master? I couldn't guess. I don't know who it is. Mark Hamill. Are you kidding? Nope. Oh, that's kind of nice. Oh, yeah. Like, it took me a while that I, when he laughed, I was like, wait. I know that laugh. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it wasn't a full-on Joker laugh, but I was just like, yeah, I recognize that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I recognize his voice more for the Joker than Star Wars any day. Hmm. I don't know, man. Like, altogether, like, the trilogy I thought was really, really fun. Uh, I would say that altogether, if you wanted to ever like sit down and like play them back to back, you're looking at it probably an average of like five to six hours a game, if not less. Yeah, about new Call of Duty Modern Warfare three's campaign length. Kind of, sorta. Yeah, just depending on like how uh, difficult you find some bosses uh, and some areas to traverse. I would like to play these and and the remastered remade. I'll, I'd like to play the whole, uh, I guess, six games now in there. Yeah, which, if you were a fan of the original trilogy, um, then I would recommend just playing the remastered versions first, because that's essentially just playing the older games over again. And then after that, uh, possibly play the reboot, and just kind of get it like a different feel, because it's still showing you Spyro's story and gameplay, but definitely a different spin on it. Yeah. I can't remember enough about it to remember anything, really. I feel like I was collecting fairies a lot. Mm-hmm. That was... The original trilogy was really, really big on collectibles. Okay. Platforming uh, collectibles kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which, that was the age of, you know, like, Banjo-Kazooie mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Well, I played Spyro. Yeah, I was a Spyro kid. I mean, no offense to, you know, the Crash Bandicoot and the others, just Spyro was the one I played. Yeah, same here. I had no idea they had been technically three sets that came out. Mm-hmm. It was a more open platformer than Banjo and Kazooie then, wasn't it? I can't remember much about I never played them really, but I know when I watch it, it looks very linear or appeared open to me as a kid. I mean, it was uh, 
Well, especially the original trilogy, it was a 3D platformer. So, but it was very linear as far as like story went. Pretty yeah, much yeah. like you went to the different levels, got all the collectibles, defeated the boss at the end, and then went on to the next one. Okay. Like I said, it's been so long. I guess it just seemed that way to me. Is there a way to play it now? The original releases were on uh, like PS2, but uh, as far as if you want to go by Wikipedia, uh, the platforms are uh, Game Boy Advance, GameCube, Nintendo DS, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, Wii, Xbox, and Xbox 360. So 360, it, I don't know. They should so, there's, so there's a possibility you might be able to get uh, access on Game Pass if you're on uh, Xbox. I don't, I don't think it'll be on Game Pass, but it might be on the shop. Yeah, that would be my best guess, would just be look at the older titles in your respective shops, uh, whether it's uh, Xbox or PlayStation. But, I mean, I definitely recommend giving them a, a, a play, if you're especially if you're a fan of the original. But if you've never heard of Spyro, it's a good introduction, I think. Who doesn't want to be a purple dragon? Especially, uh, I don't know, like one of the reasons why, like as a kid, I always liked uh, Spyro was because, I don't know, like, I like I liked his attitude. Kind of reminded me of kind of like a Spider-Man, had that, you know, the bit of smart-ass to him. I can see that. And yeah. w- one thing I do enjoy, too, in the reboot, is that Sparks actually will talk rather <laughs> than just buzz. Because in the original, it was just like, beam, 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 And then Spyro was just like, yeah, buddy, I hear you. In this one, he's actually like, Spyro, buddy, pal, brother, what are you doing? He doesn't, I don't know if he actually specifically says yeah, that, don't yeah. quote me, but. <laughs> so at least he's, he says things that are meaningful. That's a big part of a lot of Japanese games, mm-hmm. that they have a nonsensical language. At least one character is going to be very, uh, I call it sim talky. I mean, I just like, well, yeah, I just like how like the characters were more fleshed out, I think. Yeah, that, that's what it probably is. You know what they're really thinking and saying mm-hmm. for the most part, and more than just a general kind of. The way their eyebrows move, you might understand they're upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't worry, they're a little bit more uh, animated than the early 2000s. Well, I know they were still early 2000s, but they weren't like early, yeah, early 2000s. It's wild that they came out some so soon after the first ones had finished, when you think about it. Well, that was the era of like where people were more along the lines of like pumping games out kind of quickly. Yeah. Now it's more along the lines of how much can we put into a game, rather than... Let's design a game. How much can we charge for everything else we put in the game afterwards? Pretty much. I've been going through MMOs lately, trying to find one I like, and all the pay to win, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, microtransactions are a way to get money if you're a developer or a studio, but at the same time too, though, as a consumer experience, pay to win, I don't know, it kind of takes a lot of the fun out of competitive play, especially. It certainly does. I'm fine of cosmetics. Cos- sea of Thieves is like that. Yeah, like cosmetics, that's completely fine. Like if you like, but if it's like, oh, if you pay fifty dollars, you get this item that has like a fifty percent chance of like instant killing anything that you attack. Then that's a little busted. Yeah, like anyone that wants to burn fifty bucks on an item essentially is now you know really powerful. Unless, and this is a concept that I think some developers out there might be free to do if you want, and. Also, too, it might be a little controversial, so if any of our listeners out there would like to voice their opinion, feel free. But how about the idea of, essentially, it's, in a sense, kind of like pay-to-win microtransactions. However, it's of limited supply in-game. Oh, that's nice. 
So, to an extent that, like, it's not like an item that is essentially, like, super game-breaking. But say, like, it's like a super ultra-rare legendary sword, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if it's MMO, say you pay $200 for it. That's cool. But maybe it's the only game, only item in the game of that sword. But you die, you've lost it. And unless you can get back to reclaim it, someone else can pick it up. That'd be kind of cool, yeah. Well, I mean, like, to an extent, I would feel like that might be a way to, like, balance out certain mm-hmm. pay-to-win situations. I like that idea. That wouldn't be terrible. A scalper would get it and then sell the account. I won't play any of them that's got pay-to-win. Simple as that. I'm more of a fan of the grind. Yeah. What is it? Lost Ark? The MMO? Mm-hmm. Came out a couple years ago? I tried it, but now there's I've got to a point where I'd have to buy stuff to keep going, and I'm just not going to do it. I've downloaded um, New World. Which is like, think of a fantasy setting taking place in the New World during the 1600s. Um, a wizard running through North America, pretty much. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> like, in a nutshell, I will say this. I have very fond memories of playing the game. Back in the day, I actually played two-player with my brother. It's one of the very few uh, games that I ever actually got a chance to, like, really play with him. Mm. Uh, for those of you that know or don't know, I do have a younger brother. Though I will not put his name out there just for the sake of... Come on, dox him. <laughs> <laughs> well, my brother's a little bit more of the private sort. And uh, so I'd rather just, you know, if he wants to be, let be. Let be. Anyway, uh, he's a big gamer as well. Uh, if anything, nowadays, maybe more so than I am. He devotes a lot more time to uh, the computer desk than I do. I'll put it that way. That could change. But he has the opportunity to do so. I do not. I digress. I don't know, it just it was a good game, I thought. I liked the story. I liked the mechanics. I thought it was just difficult enough to make it challenging and fun. And it didn't overstay its welcome. Exactly. And it does have a little bit of replay value to an extent. I definitely recommend give it a try. All three of them. Uh, start off with the first game. And if you like the story, mechanics, all that, uh, play through, play the second. And as the games progress, the story, I feel like, flows very nicely together and they add enough extra mechanics and a little bit of gameplay here and there to where it makes it worth getting the next game and it has a satisfying satisfying ending uh if it don't end well i try not to ever go back which it was kind of open-ended to the point where they could have potentially made more games but they just rebooted or remastered the last ones or whatever well in classic spyro sense it's kind of a trilogy type of thing Mm -hmm. it's not assassin's creed well, since this one seems hard to find, um, mm-hmm. if you would like to play the original trilogy remastered or reignited, Spyro reignited trilogy, mm-hmm. it's available for Switch for like 22 bucks at the moment. And it might be a Black Friday thing. $22, $23. That sounds like a good buy for three games. Yeah, definitely. Especially Not games that are fun like those, if I remember them right. But I can't really help you much if the ones we're actually talking about because they seem harder to find. <laughs> uh, if you have a PlayStation 3, that might be easier. I'm sure you could find them used copies somewhere. Uh, just doing a quick Google search here. Let's see. Uh, looks like the majority of the copies are for, like, Xbox, Xbox 360, uh, PS2. And we're looking at average of around 30 to $40 per copy, because it's a little bit on the older side, rarer side. Yeah. I'm showing here a used copy at GameStop. Won't specify which GameStop. Of Dawn of the Dragon for 360 pre-owned, $40 used. They know what they got. Here's another one, uh, which is Dawn of the Dragon, the third one. Pre-owned, PlayStation 2, $30. GameStop. And they're also showing here 
Oh, that's a little outrageous. Dawn of the Dragon, PS2. $400 on eBay. No, thank you. Yeah. I think I'll just buy the $22 Switch versions of different games. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, if you get a chance to play them, I do recommend giving them a, uh, a shot if you want to spend the money. Uh, if not, I do understand. But definitely give it a shot if you have the chance. Maybe you can have a, a friend out there that maybe bought the game back in the day and just never gotten rid of it. Oh, Ask yeah. around. You Check might. out your local game stores. And you have the option for, albeit older, but multiple platforms. They span a few generations there. Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up. I would have never thought about Spyro, but I had some good times with Spyro. Well, I was just thinking, man. Me and, and the like, chickens. <laughs> I was just, you know, thinking lately, man, and just like last few episodes uh, we've done, it seems like we've been a little bit more on the present side mm-hmm. of games, which nothing wrong, no hating. But I wanted to do a little bit more of a throwback, you know, some yeah. back to the good old days. I can't talk about many older, older games because I didn't play a lot back when I was much younger. And I didn't go back and retry many things. Well, I didn't have much else to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I got games, it's kind of like, we got you a game. You don't get another game for a while. Yeah. So play that game. And play it a lot. Yes. Got very good. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I could do Doom. Original Doom. Like mm-hmm. 98 Doom. I'll leave it up to you, actually. I, I said a few weeks ago when I forgot to do it last week, talk about our next game in line. I'll leave it up to you. Do you want me to talk about Sea of Thieves or Warhammer 40k? Personally, uh, from just what I know of like how you've been playing lately, I think a good fun episode would be Sea of Thieves. Yes, that would be fun. Well, I mean, like for any of those that are out there, uh, Warhammer 40k, that's all I got to say. Yeah. I tried for years to avoid the, this series, and then I got to play in this game, and I've started... My YouTube feed is filled of Warhammer lore. Um, I just cut it on now, and it's just like a list of things. I'm like, oh, what's this new thing about the Emperor? I didn't know. Um, but Sea of Thieves is really nice. I won't have much. There's not a lot of a whole lot of lore to go about. But there's a lot of fun stories to tell. A whole lot of fun stories to tell about that game and some mechanics that are just nice. All right, everyone. If you like what you've heard here and would like to maybe possibly hear more. Uh, if you're interested, we do actually have a network of podcasts, the Gruesome Gaming Network, uh, where uh, my co-host, Ramey, and uh, his sister, Beth, actually host a couple of other shows. Uh, one is Horrific History and Hauntings, where Beth and Adam basically go over a few different little spooky, horror, dark things around the world, and mostly in America. Uh, if you're a little bit more on the spooky side of things, definitely check them out. Uh, then there's Brother Knows Quest, where Raimi basically uh, takes off uh, one of the books off his uh, giant shelf of uh, TTRPGs and goes it over with his uh, sister, and they kind of talk things over. Possibly she makes a character, and then she kind of gives him her opinion on whether she would play or not and just what she thinks about things in general, where she has played with us. And then, of course... Uh, leveling duo here where me and Raimi just talk about games from the past, present, and possible future. Uh, if you want to have links to that, uh, check out the link tree in the description below and uh, feel free to reach out to us on any of our social media accounts also listed below. Uh, we'd like to hear back from y'all. Uh, just anything you'd like to reach out on, give us some feedback. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. The first link in the link tree is our main website. It will have all of our other podcasts in it. Our YouTube channel will also be in that same link tree. 
I plan on streaming that has been in, in the works, but mm. it's hard to get Beth to do anything at the moment. Yeah, which it's it's understandable. She, uh, for the listeners, uh, she has a few personal things going on right now, which we will respect her privacy. Uh, however, uh, we're just trying to uh, make sure everyone's schedules are good to go and no one is under any kind of uh, extra stress to make it happen. It's the holidays. Yeah. We are trying our best to make sure everything comes out on schedule. Yeah, and that none of us uh, spontaneously combust trying to do so. Yeah. So if anything goes wrong and you see an episode not show up, check the Twitter. Just subscribe to the Twitter and I will post if something happens that will change the scheduling for a day or two. But I don't see it happening in the future, just in case. There is your options. And you can reach out to us there, too. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Leveling Duo. Uh, this has been Dakota. I've been Ramey. And we are logging off. <laughs>